What is up, everybody? Back again, another episode of the Fan Section Podcast coming your way. My name is Alan, and thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I'm covering three SEC schools today, and yes, it was by choice because I have actually had these three teams on my request board for a little while. I'm very excited to bring you these three teams. One of them is very good. Two of them have a chance to contend for the SEC Division West, and, uh, and one of them has a chance for the potentially SEC East. No, let's let's not kid ourselves. Georgia's still the top dog. But um, real quick, I want to get into the introductions to you guys, and then I'm gonna you're gonna it's gonna make total sense. So this is the Fan Session Podcast, uh, brought to you for fans by fans from across the college landscape. Section 100, Section 300, bleachers down to the suites. We welcome everybody. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support you've given us. Thank you guys so much for the request on some of the teams that I've been able to actually write down, and I've dive I've dove into those teams. Um, thank you guys so much for the mailbag questions, which I definitely will hit this episode. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to hit those last episode. But yeah, my name is Alan, and I'm your host. So yeah, let's dive right into it. So these three teams, the SEC bias, let's just start there. It's not bias when you have uh, the reigning national champion Georgia Bulldogs. You also have the reigning runner-up uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Those are the two best teams. It's not going to change coming into this year. But there are three teams on this list that might upset two of those teams. So I'm just going to say leave that there. Based on and, – and as soon as I say the first team, you're going to be like recruiting class. All right? That is the biggest hint I can give you because Texas A&M had the greatest recruiting class of all time. I, the yes, the reasons why whatever nil was a huge reason for it, but you still can't. Everybody else was using nil, so you still can't really say that it was just because of nil. No, I mean the fact that they were able to pull this. I mean that's awesome. Congratulations for them, and they they understand that in order to compete in the in the SEC and in order for to keep Texas and Oklahoma when they do finally join the SEC at bay is to keep pulling in amazing players. And if you have to open up the checkbook, now it's legal. So they're just doing, they're not doing anything new. They're just doing, you know, really they're doing what they've always done. So yeah. Anyway, real quick, let's just, like I said, Texas A&M. So will the, some of my notes is, will the massive recruiting class impact this season? And the answer is yes. So just because you are a five-star player and you're not going to see, potentially you might not see the field, does not mean that a recruiting, that you as a player will not have an impact on that team. Because if you're a returning player and you see this amazing class coming in, you say, oh my word, I, now I have to work twice as hard because I have a freshman who's expecting to play because they're early enrolling and they're coming in to take my job. So that just means iron sharpens iron. And this is a, a, a mantra that Kirby Smart has used at Georgia, understanding, making the players understand we will compete, we will put the best player out there, I don't care what grade they're in, I want the best player on that field to give me the best chance to win. Alabama did this. Georgia has done this, and now Texas A&M is following suit. And the only reason why I say Texas A&M has a chance to be really, really good for the next three, four years is because of this recruiting class. The fact that they have they, – they pulled the most – the highest rated players I've ever seen. They they bolstered the offensive and defensive line, and obviously it starts in the trenches. Some of these kids could be like sixth, seventh round picks now. The fact that – and they're freshmen. That's insane. Okay, some of these kids are ready to play in the NFL, like which is amazing to see. Um, but yeah, it's a good problem to have, if especially your Texas A&M, because you you had a, honestly every year you come into the season overhyped, 
Well, the hype, I think, is actually deserved. And I, if those of you that have listened on this podcast know that I, I can't stand the hype that A&M gets. I always think they're overrated. Um, but this class has made me kind of tweak that a little bit, like saying, okay, I'm not going to say they're going to be good in 2022, 2023. I'm saying they're going to be 2024 through 2028. Like, the class has that potential, which is insane to say. And it's very scary for in the SEC because then you're like, okay, not only does Georgia Bama have to continue to have top two and top three recruiting classes, and they've been battling each other for well, that one and two, that one spot each every single year. Now you have a third horse in the race, and it's in the same freaking conference. Oh, man. Especially when you have Oklahoma and Texas joining, and Texas might get Arch Manning. So things are heating up if you're coming coming into the SEC or if you're in the SEC. Um, so yeah, that's why iron sharpens iron, which is a really good problem to have. They took a page out of Bama and Georgia's book. My biggest question is who's going to be a quarterback? Like for this season, can Weekman push to play, or is it going to be Mac Johnson from LSU? I, I think it'll be Max Johnson. I think he has the most experience. I, the fact that he came over here. Well, before this class was even, he knew, obviously little birdies were like, Hey man, we're going to have this class. We're going to get you. We're going to, we're going to push to win not only the SEC, but we're going to win national titles. Come on over for one year. And Max is like, okay, cool. So yeah, I think it'll be Max Johnson, uh, Max Johnson. I, I think just experience, but don't, don't forget about Wiegman. Like I think Wiegman might push and play, but he's a freshman. If you really want the future to be now, you play, you throw him in there. But this offense is very complex. As we saw last year with Calzada, he got better as, I mean, he got thrown into the Colorado game, obviously, in, you know, in the second quarter, Colorado nearly beats him because he didn't know the offense. But you look for improvement each week because this offense is – it's an NFL-style offense. It's very, very hard, very complex to pick up. Um, but each week he was actually getting better and better and better and better. And his tools – and you were able to see, wow, this kid really is a four-star. Haynes King is still on this roster, but I I don't think they go back to Haynes King. I really don't. I just think that you can't. The, he's shown you that he can't do it. You know what I mean? He's shown you enough at this level to show that he's just not a Texas A&M quarterback which is fine. If he loses his job to Max Johnson, which I really believe he will, look for Haynes King to transfer, and it'll probably be the best move he can make, honestly. Um, but yeah, so the fact that this uh, the offensive line and the defensive line is going to be very, very good, and I'm very excited to see them. Um, I don't think they're the best in the SEC, but I would say they're the third best. The best offensive line, I think, in the SEC is going to be one of the other teams that we highlight, and that's going to be the Arkansas Razorbacks. The, the Arkansas Razorbacks are very, very, very talented up front, and the fact that they have I, – I, I'm sorry, people. I can't, I can't buy into the K.J. Jefferson train hype yet. I, I'm not – I don't think I'm ever going to get there. He's just too inconsistent for me. He's got awful mechanics. He's got decent – no, he doesn't even have decent footwork. He's got a decent arm. But he – and everybody's like, well, it's his first year in the offense. I don't – okay. Like, you, you – there's a lot of players that have first-year offenses – or first-year in the offense, and they fucking do better than he does. So, no, K.J. Jefferson is not going to be this elite first-round pick that everybody is projecting him to be. He's not. The, the list of quarterbacks in 2023, led by Bryce Young, that's the bar. So, if I put, compare K.J. Jefferson to Bryce Young – He's a fourth rounder at best. I'm sorry. That's just the facts. Um, I just don't understand the hype. Bad mechanics, 
horrible footwork. He's definitely not even a top five quarterback in the SEC. And I honestly, I would have Hendon Hooker as a better quarterback than him. Personally, that's what I'm just saying. Like, and Hendon Hooker might push to be a first round pick. So that's the bar. Like I said, you have to compare everything in the SEC. If you think your quarterback is a first round pick, look at Bryce Young. If he's not better than Bryce Young, then he's not going to be a first round pick. If he's on level with him, then absolutely he will be. But yeah, make no mistake. So having the highlights on this, though, Sam Pittman was able to do something that I don't think I've ever seen a head coach do after a very successful year, retain the entire staff. That's amazing. The fact that you have every single every person that you bought into your system coming back and you have the offensive line coach, you have the running back coach, the receiver coach, DB coach, linebacker coach, defense coordinator, offense coordinator, quarterback coach, they're all coming back and they're all bread and butter in this system and they all know what to expect out of them from Pittman. They can build on this amazing recruiting class that they actually pulled, which is great to see. This is the team that I've this and A&M are two teams that I fully expect to give Alabama all they can handle this year. I really do. Um, it comes down to the quarterback play, obviously. And if Mac Johnson is quarterback, I think that A&M might get him. If KJ Jefferson, as we've seen, had his best game against Bama, but everybody gets up to play Bama. If KJ Jefferson is able to kind of handle that inconsistently issues, and, and I mean, they were honestly, they were really three plays away from beating Bama. They really were, um, you know, especially early in that game. But, yeah, they're going to come out. You also have the transfer, Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma, who's I, – I have him as my front runner for the Blitnikoff, which is the best receiver in the nation. Um, the kid's routes are insane. He's going to be – he's a first-round pick for sure. If he can get on the same page with K.J. Jefferson, look for Arkansas's offense to be lethal. Like, it's going to be insane. The biggest question is, though, that the secondary – uh, I have I have some questions on that. If they can repeat the 2022 success, then absolutely they're going to be really, really good. Um, or sorry, if they can repeat the 2021 success, then they're going to be really good for the 2022 season. But it's that's the only place they have question marks. And that's not a big problem to have because, as we saw last year, Georgia's secondary was the question, and they proved everybody wrong by third and Ringo. So, realistically, Arkansas is in a really, really good spot, and they're good, they're not going away. And speaking of teams that aren't going away, that had a very had taste of a very very good season, that I think will only build on top of that is our third team, the Kentucky Wildcats. They had can they had an amazing season. Like ten wins is is no small feat. There's a lot of colleges that want ten wins. That can, there's a lot of colleges that strive for eight. The fact Kentucky in the East was able to do that, and I don't. I don't have them as not doing it again. I think, I mean, obviously they take losses to Georgia, I think, because Georgia is just that much better talent-wise and based on the recruiting classes, as well as the, you know, the talent that they still have retaining. But don't count out Kentucky. Kentucky is a very, very good team. A little bit of experience in the in some of the skill positions that you want to see. But can if Will Levis can do what I think he can, they, they have the potential to win the SEC East. They really do. And it's scary to say because the East is kind of like – it's, it really should be Bama and Georgia again, but I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be one of those – I think it's going to be a different team this year. Kentucky has never been in the SEC title game ever, and I think that that trend hopefully doesn't continue because my dogs um, – hopefully doesn't continue until the division makes pods, which Texas and Oklahoma come in. But then I would love to see it. I would love to see a Georgia-Kentucky SEC title game. I'd love to see that, honestly. I think that would be amazing. 
But the biggest question for me is defensive line. Like I said earlier in, in this little segment, uh, just inexperienced. Um, they're young and very inexperienced. I But they have a veteran linebacker core behind them that will put them in the right spot. So if you have a, D, a very, you know, freshmen and sophomores coming in to play the D-line, it's not that big of a deal because if, especially if you have – um, a very veteran group of linebackers behind them, which is what you want when you're kind of breaking in the mold of, of that. Rec- like, so if you're recruiting, let's put it this way. If I'm recruiting and I know that I have four linebackers that are all juniors and seniors and, you know, two of them were all ICC players. I'm not worried about who I put in as a nose tackle and a D tackle, because I know that the experience is going to trump the inexperience on the line. Like your job as a defensive tackle is just to basically just, hold up the def- the offensive lineman long enough so my linebacker can come down and make a play, come downhill, go to sideline to sideline, things like that. Flip it, you have in, in you know, two years from now, when I know that my D tackles like, hey, you were the you were the young guy last year, the year before. Now you're the veteran guy. You know what I expect of you. You're gonna help my linebackers even better. And you're also gonna be a force in the middle. You know what I mean? So it's really it's they, they play off each other really, really well, which I think is awesome. Um so yeah, it's one of those things where can the experience of the veteran linebacker core be enough for the Kentucky defense to actually, you know, be elite? And I I hope so. I really do. I'm really rooting for Kentucky to be good. Um, also, can Valentine, which I have as a first-round pick um, in the secondary, can he do enough for the defense to stay in games? That is my biggest question for the Kentucky Wildcats is, can you stay in these games long enough? Can Will Levis take that next step? Um, the question is, I don't know. Uh, but we're going to find out here in a little bit, which I'm very excited for. And like I said, if you're fans of Kentucky, A&M, or Arkansas, there's a lot to be excited for this season. Um Thank you guys so much for for everything. Um, I will, 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 will definitely next episode. I didn't have, I ran out of time today, um, but I will dive into those questions. Thank you guys so much for the requests. I appreciate it so much. Um, you guys are awesome. Um, but yeah, so for Kentucky, A&M, Arkansas, the big big time SEC, huge fan of it. But my name is Alan. This has been the Fan Section Podcast, and I am out. <laughs>